Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Rock Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mighty Air 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Old school crew today, it's me and Jihei Wiley, the original two. And not only that, Jihei, we're in your home away from home, my home away from home, certainly. Las Vegas, this is your favorite time of the year. We're talking to you guys on a Friday, of course. Uh, Jihei, set the scene. You never miss it. March Madness in Vegas. What was Thursday like for you? Insane. Insane. That's the only word I can describe um, what the books are down here. Insane. Um, currently staying at the Mirage, so it's you go down to that book, it was packed. Like, standing room only packed. Um, you go around the bar, you go around... To, um, I actually... Um, the boyfriend and I went to a, cir- a circle bar um, area outside, like, outside of the book, like on the other side of the book. Yeah. Still packed. Standing room only. I felt so bad because I was like looking for him, so I was running around trying to... But insane. I mean, can we talk about how crazy some of these games have already been? Oh my god, it's, yeah. Well, okay, it, so it, which, it, which, which one do you want to get into first? Because we saw, and you hate to go on a college athlete like this, but one of the worst passes in sports history. Uh, uh, I don't know, which, which game do you want to start with first? There was two huge I mean, upsets. I feel like we should. Yeah, I feel like we should start with that first. That poor, that poor kid from Virginia. And by the way, Virginia <laughs> second time they're you know I don't know whether they, they out were out in the first round. Yeah, but like top two yeah. seed is so rare. But um, okay, so where were you when that happened? Because the the books went absolutely nuts. I mean, a lot of the clips of the you know fans just losing their minds. And at that point. Again, if you had Furman, you had already won because I don't know what the line was in that game. So those are the beautiful moments when you can just enjoy the result. The, the great thing about being in a sports book, and if you've not done it before, it is a different viewing experience because a lot of the majority of people there are not really focused on the result. They're working, they're, they're focused on the spread. That's one of those moments here. You're, you're just like, okay, you won your bet. If you bet yeah. on for a minute, so you're just enjoying it. Um, where were you for that game? So I was at the Mirage. I was at this bar that was right next to the book and um, watching the end of that game because we were about to go and grab something to eat. And um, yeah, my boyfriend actually had Furman to win. Oh, he's so he's awesome. I, I probably should have checked in on some of his <laughs> some of his locks, but yeah, that's awesome. Okay, yeah. So he's taking a lot of parlays with underdogs in them. Uh, so at the current moment in time, that's kind of what we have right now. And I didn't want to go against, uh, some of my friends who went to Virginia, but yeah. I, I mean, talk about choke city. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, and I get it. They're in college and you know, this isn't a pro league, but I mean, if COVID taught us anything, it's a pro league. Oh, yeah. just, 
you know, uh, you're not paying those professionals, so to speak, you know, um, obviously before NIL, but it's, it, yeah, the, the reaction was insane. You could hear it from the book. Like you can, where, where we were was maybe a little, like a less than a two, a 30 second walk away from the book. You can hear the book yeah. erupting. Um, and, and Arash is right. When you, when you go to Vegas or go to any book and watch, um, a game there because there's multiple games on, right? Yeah. Like you're seeing everything. So people are not everybody's watching the Virginia Furman game. Not everybody's yeah. watching. You know, other people are watching other things as they go on. But yeah, that game. Oh, you got to feel for Virginia and for those seniors too, right? I mean, like because oh, for some of these guys, this is it. You what know, like for exactly. Clark. Yeah, for Clark, this is it. You know, um, he's he's their point guard. From from California, um, he he you know he's done. He and I don't know if he maybe he can make it to the G League, maybe maybe go to Europe. Um, yeah. those odds are pretty slim for some of these kids. This is all she wrote. You know, by the way, so this to make is why when kids are trying to figure out if they want to go the G League route or want to go the college route, if they're going to be one and done, this is why you go the one and done route because there's nothing like this time of year. So if you're a college student and or if you're a prospective uh, pro, right, and you're and you have the, you know, Scoot Henderson, I would have loved to see him with a college team playing in these games. So like, like I get uh, why they do that. You know, you're going to get paid. and But there's nothing like this time of year. And I would say that you learn something playing in these pressure packed situations no knock on the g league but they, they they don't have anything remotely like this where the entire country no. is focused on you and if you make it to the final four you play in front of sixty five thousand people which you will never do in the nba so um all right let's go to the other one ga u of a now listen i did not see this one coming i saw them win the pac-12 championship um they had been upset previously as a number two seed, so crazy. By the way, GA, third year in a row, first time that's ever happened, a number two seed goes down. So now that's going to become a thing. You know how you know people say, like, what's the upset? I mean, for the third year in a row, this has happened. So you're going to have people trying to kind of figure out which 15 seed will beat the two. Your thoughts on U of A going down? Shock. To be honest with you, um, and the only reason why I say that is because Arizona normally has some good pros, and Princeton has not been or participated in the last two uh, March Madnesses, in the last two tournaments. They have pulled themselves out due to COVID. Oh, that's right. So yeah. they didn't have, like from 2020 until now, they didn't have – obviously, we didn't have a season, <laughs> you know, in 2020, March of 2020. But even in 2021, 2022, they did not participate because of COVID. They pulled out uh, their whole entire league. The Ivy yeah. League pulled out of of participating in March Madness. So I just I'm in shock that you know that they were able to come from behind and and win this game against Arizona. Then again, I, I don't want to knock on the Pac-12 because it's been a forever <laughs> issue and they're growing and they're trying and but yeah. you're never going to be like I'm, I'm fearful for them like for you know UCLA and USD moving forward going to the Big Ten it's going to be it's going to be a challenge not only on the football front and I know that that's the main reason why they left <laughs> they're leaving the Pac-12 to go there but it's going to be challenging and I'm wondering is it going to dilute the product now for what will well, be known as the Pac-10. 
It's going to be harder, and this is why we're going to bring in our good friend. We're going to go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and join Nick Hamilton. Um, Nick, you know, when, when USC and UCLA were going to go to the Big Ten, um, obviously the focus is on football. From a hoops perspective, that could change things as well. I guess, first of all, Nick, uh, th- thanks for joining us. Your, your thoughts on the first day of the tournament? It's been wild to say the least, and I know that's been an understatement. There's so many. I mean, I know there's about a million plus one brackets that have already been busted. Um, but I think you know it, it creates excitement. I mean, you never know what's going to tra- transpire with these games. And I think that's the, the hype and that's the, the the enthusiasm that surrounds March Madness because you know there's a lot of of, of teams you think that are going to make it. There's some teams you don't think they have a chance in West Hill of making the tournament, and I think. When you look at the overall factor, I think it just provides eyeballs and eardrums to one of the you know the great uh, sporting events in in American sports, which is the March Madness. Um, to answer your other question, as far as what USC and UCLA moving forward, not just with football but with basketball, I have I have to dis I have to respectfully disagree with GPA <laughs> only because I think it's going to improve the product, and here's why. You know, pressure either busts pipes or it creates diamonds. Right. And so I think that pressure is something that they may need because sometimes you have a sense of complacency. And I think the Pac-12 has been a, a, a lava pit of complacency. I think there's been nothing challenging about the Pac-12 because you're, you're used to going through the motion. You're used to going through the Pac-12 tournament every year. We know either you UCLA or Arizona is going to win the Pac-12 you know, championship. There's been years where there have been some schools that we didn't think were going to win, have won that tournament and gone on to have higher seeding in the March Madness tournament. But Overall, we've pretty much been able to guide who's going to be there and who's not, right? So I think when you go into a different conference where there's upper echelons of competition, I think it makes you step your game up because, number one, you have a name to represent and you have prestige behind that name. And two, you have to also make sure that you're going to be competitive because you have boosters, you have sponsors, and you have alumni that you have to adhere to. And so if they're not getting the wins, which means the wins don't, losses don't produce money. Wins produce dollars and opportunity, and they have to understand that they have to make sure they have to produce on the court or on the field so they can get they can maximize those dollars in order to be able to have heavy recruiting classes like we've seen in times before. And when you're in a, in a, in a heavier conference now, now more eyeballs on you, which can be a good thing because when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to opportunities, whether it be television opportunities, whether it be sponsorship opportunities or NIL deals, your kids have an opportunity to make some money and your university will ultimately make money um, when it comes to these type of situations, as long as you keep adding up those W's on the court and on the field. So I think them moving to the Big Ten, I think they needed a challenge. I think they needed a kick in the behind to wake them up and say, okay, we got to step our game up if we're going to be able to compete with the Michigans or the Ohio States or the Penn States or Michigan States of the world. And it's a great thing for the Big Ten because now the Big Ten gets into the second largest market to expand their conference. So I think it's a win-win across the board. I think teams have to understand what their focus is. They have to understand what their vision is and be able to execute it accordingly in order for them to be successful. And because if they start losing and sucking, ain't nobody going to care. They're going to be at the <laughs> bottom of the barrel. They're going to be at the bottom of the birdcage. And, and USC and UCLA don't want that at all. No. Um, Nick, this is a question for you and a question for GE because we were talking about this. Um, if you're a top college recruit, if you're in high school and you're trying to figure out what you want to do, now with the uh, their ability to sign endorsement deals, how does that change things? And I'll give you one example. Mm-hmm. Bronny James, for example. If you were Bronny James, would you 
go to USC for one year, you're, you know, two miles to down the street from where your dad plays, your dad will be courtside, or you could go the G League route. They got a team in Henderson about a couple miles from Las Vegas. Bronze basically said that that's his goal is to have a team here. If that, if those are the two routes, what's your like advice? If, if, if you're part of the group, like advice, mm. would you go the G League route or the college route? Well, here's what I would do. If I'm Bronny James, first of all, I'm spending two years. I need to develop my game, but I ain't ready to come out after a year. We all know that. Um, I believe Maximus has, has a better skill set than Bronny does. He just doesn't get the hype. Uh, but I think if I'm Bronny James, I would look at going to USC only because here's the deal. Number one, you're in, you're in Los Angeles. You're not in, you know, backwoods, Nevada. You're not in, <laughs> in, in, in uh, you're not in outskirts, uh, you know, South Sacramento playing in the G League that nobody gives a damn about. You're playing in Los Angeles at the Galen Center night in and night out. You are Bronny James. You know LeBron's going to show up, so that's going to bring cameras and eyeballs and everything like that, and it's going to uplift your program. Plus, yeah. two, it's it's USC, the connection that Bronny James can make while he's at USC because there's something about being a part of that USC family that gets you over the hump a lot of times more than not. It is the, and I have to say this, it's the reason why O.J. Simpson is not in jail. Uh, because, <laughs> because of USC. If, you, if, if O.J. would have went to UCLA, he'd be behind bars to this day. Uh, but it's just something about being at USC as far as just the connection. I mean, look at Juju, the young lady that's going to sign with USC. And look at the hype surrounding her. And look how much more her, her I would say, endorsement her prestige, yeah. her, 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 her visible presence is going to be, you know, playing uh, women's college basketball. We know women's college basketball is very, very popular. Uh, people really tune into that, uh, especially when you see, you know, young ladies like Aaliyah Boston uh, and others that have really, really made names for themselves. So when you look at Bronny James being at USC and being connected to USC, all jokes aside, I think it would be a very, very wise investment and decision for him to go to USC uh, to, to, and also understand the college life, too, to be able to be a kid. You know, to be able to, to, to you know, soak in the, the intangibles that kids have to go through when they go to college, you know, their first and second year, and really be able to experience, experience that and make connections. Because we all know Bronny James is going to do something great, whether it's yeah. on the basketball court or away from it. So why not have that backing of USC, one of the most prestigious universities in the country, to be able to, to showcase your basketball talent? And you're in Los Angeles. Your daddy still plays for the Lakers, even though he's hobbling. Your daddy's still playing <laughs> for the Lakers. So you're right down the street from your father. Um, you know, so I think it's, it, 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 it can benefit him. Plus the NIL deals that he's going to get, we know Nike is going to give him an NIL deal. You know, there's other, you know, and, and USC for my, my understanding, if you're right, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't there a Nike school as well? Yeah. So that doesn't conflict. Um, and I'm sure he'll get some other endorsement deals, maybe Subway, maybe, you know, some, some, some type of, uh, deal like that. Um, so I, I would say go to USC, man, get the eyeballs and eardrums on you while you're in the second largest market. Screw the G League. Jihei? Yeah, uh, here's the thing. I don't not uh, uh, disagree with what Nick is saying. He's going to get endorsement deals regardless. In case we just forgot, his last name is James. Like, he's going to get those endorsement deals regardless of whether he goes to the G League or whether he goes to SC, Oregon, uh, Ohio, Ohio State. Those are, like, just a few that are recruiting him at this current moment in time. Um, I think it behooves, and I'm going to sound so old now, but I think it does behoove him to be a normal kid right, to go to an environment where, like, maybe he will, won't get treated like he's LeBron James's child, 
right? Like he'll actually get like an experience. I, I think that's going to that happen regardless, though, right? I mean, I think, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think if you're Michael Jordan's son, if you're LeBron James, like that's just your life, and I think he knows that at this point. Yeah, no, I think, I definitely. Think, yeah. No, no, I agree with you. He's always gonna. It's always gonna be like that. I mean, look, look at when he steps on the court in high school and they chant overrated. Like, it's, no. he's always going to. You know, he's always gonna have that, and I totally understand that. But I'm talking about like just the team aspect, the team mentality of him going in that locker room and still just being with his boys, yeah. him being just like like that kind of that that kind of mentality, well, right? Of no, you're right. No, I was gonna say I I have to say this too. I think you get more eyeballs at USC than you get any G League team. I would agree with that. Get more, yeah. no, he's going to get more endorsements. I'm not saying that you're wrong when you say he's going to get endorsements regardless because he, he's Brody James. You're right. But to get more, you're going to get more exposure. Mm-hmm. You're going to get more endorsements by being in the second largest market. No different if he went to Ohio State because yeah. we know LeBron is from Ohio. So, he, you know, LeBron always reps Ohio State. So they would love his dirty drugs in Ohio State. <laughs> um, but at the same time, if he's not at a major school like Ohio State or USC being in Los Angeles, you're going to get more endorsement. And that's what that's what you want to capitalize on, the endorsement factor. Nothing else besides hopefully getting an education and, and balling out for the team. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just one of those things where he would have a stage at USC. I mean, people watch those games. Again, to your point, Nick, no one follows the G League. It's just, you know, he would get paid. But now that he can get endorsement deals at USC, that – that changes things. Uh, Nick, we have our last few minutes with you. Listen, uh, the Lakers have improved. They are a different team since the trade <laughs> deadline. That being said, Nick, they are in such, they put themselves in this hole, right? And so they have to find a way to like work themselves out of it. Two part question. A, do you think that they can do that? And B, Nick, when we're in the last 12, 13 games of the season, what the heck is Anthony do- Davis doing sitting out? You, I mean, like, every game is so important. So can they do that, and what's up with AD? In the words of my my, my, my established buddy from New York, that's your man's in there. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what Mr. Bubble Rap is going to be able to do. <laughs> this is a guy that... Um, Oh, Nick, you have muted yours. Okay, there you go. This is a guy that, obviously, he when he's good, he's absolutely astonishing on the court. Mm-hmm. But when he's bad and sitting out, I mean, he can have a loose toenail, and he's going <laughs> to sit out for a couple games. I mean, it's just not mentally strong. And I, I don't want to say he's weak because I'm, I, I would not cast that type of uh, characterization on him. But it's not it's not appearing that he's mentally strong if you yeah. get my drift it's not appearing that in a, in a position of leadership when you're in a position of leadership like we saw we've seen him play through injury before in that 2020 season when they won yeah. the chip he was playing through injury even in the bubble because he had ankle issues he had all kind of issues during that bubble stretch and that was probably one of the toughest stretches he probably ever encountered in his career and he played through it like a champ and we all said okay anthony davis can play through injury he can be mentally strong and determined to do what he needs to do to make an impact on the court. But we have not seen that since he got that big fat contract. We have not seen that level of consistency since the championship year. And that's the problem I think a lot of Laker fans have, man. It's just, where is the consistency? Where is the mental toughness? Where is the leadership? This is a guy that you want to pay all this money to and surround with. Where, where, what is it? What are the intangibles? We don't see that from Giannis. We don't see that from Joel Embiid. We don't yeah. see that from, 
from uh, uh, Mr. Doughboy in Denver. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, my Jokic. God. Jokic. You know, By the way, built like a bread box. Things have turned around with Jokic. I mean, there is like he can online campaign again. I am at this point. I don't. I thought he was a lock, and I don't think he's winning the MVP. His defense is some of the worst defense. Now you, Brandon. I think yeah. he all tried to. Brandon to, loves Jokic. Brandon loves. Y'all tried to jump me in the parking lot about that. <laughs> And I said, what about Giannis? Don't loot me in that. Don't loot me in that. Do not loot me in that group. Do not loot me in that group, Nick. Don't loot me in that group. Stop. I said, I said I, well, you know, you're guilty by association, so I got to Yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm saying, I'm saying, like I said before, I think Giannis or Joel Embiid is the true MVP. I would, I would agree. That will, that will service. It'll, be, jo- it'll be Joel Embiid, but it is so funny that, like, during that debate, there was, you know, it seemed like he was kind of a lock. And then, like, there's just been this campaign. And again, he's not a great, def- not beyond not a great defender. He's not, not a good defender. Um, if the Nuggets don't get to the finals, it'll probably be because of his defense. But Nick, as usual, you were the first one on it. You're probably right. It'll be Joel Embiid likely winning most valuable player. My friend, thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch up again next week. Uh, let's leave it there for now. When we come back. Hall of Famer, it's Andy Bernstein. He's going to join us when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. It is Friday. That can only mean one thing. It's Legends of Sport Friday. It is Andy Bernstein. Hey, Andy, how are you? I am good, Arash. Good to see you as always, my friend. Good to be speaking to you. There's so many reasons that I love your podcast, but sometimes I learn about a, le- a legendary figure that I didn't really know a ton about before. That's the case six this week. Megan Duggan. Megan Duggan. Tell me a little bit about her. Well, Megan Duggan, uh, one of the great um, female hockey players really of all time. Um, I didn't know a lot about her, but uh, when I learned about her and we did a lot of research about her for the podcast, man, she has a resume that that could go up against anybody, quite frankly. Um, was a standout player at the University of Wisconsin, joined the U.S. Olympic team, uh, won three medals there, one being a gold medal, was the captain of the team, played professionally um, in the Women's Professional League. 
very, very involved in many issues across the board, um, impacting sports and society, women's sports, pay equity. Um, and uh, most profoundly now, she is uh, working with, uh, with the New Jersey Devils uh, as a director of player development. Um, and it's so wonderful to see women in the NHL. Um, you know, NHL is sort of lagged behind a little bit in involving women uh, in the front office, and uh, she's leading, helping to lead the way with that. It's really incredible. Like when I when I looked at what she's done, I mean, I think I think that that part of it, looking at what she did in her career, but you know, currently um, helping out or player development for the New Jersey Devils, incredible. Um, so, Andy, we, we talk about this every week, but I, I think the, the the workshop that you're going to do is next mm-hmm. level because I think there's a lot of great workshops that are on YouTube or that, 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 that are not really – there's no connection. Tell people about the workshop that you have planned. Yeah, thanks, Rasha. I love talking about the workshop. We, uh, we're putting a lot of work into launching this 12-part workshop. It's called Beyond the Lens. People can find it now. The actually website set up for it, beyondthelens.live, or you can find it on uh, my my uh, personal email. I'm sorry, my personal website, um, ADB Photo Inc. or our Instagram. But essentially, the the workshop is is a live interactive workshop between myself and and whoever signs up for it. Makes it a little bit different than uh, your general master class, which are wonderful, but those are prepackaged. Um, you don't get to interact with uh, the host. You don't get to ask questions um, or be part of, let's say, an audience. So, um, going to be talking a lot about life experience, work experience, um, what helped me uh, along, who helped me along the way, what influenced me, how I stayed relevant um, forty plus years in this business. Um, a lot, a lot of wisdom from the Mamba himself um, through working with him for twenty years, but. Um, you know, especially on, on the Mamba Mentality book and how to bring all that into your life, your work life, your personal life. You don't have to be a photographer. Um, you know, we're going to be talking to people across the board uh, in all professions, not really going to get into the nuts and bolts of, you know, F-stop, shutter speeds, things like that. But that'll be part of the conversation of how some iconic photos were created. Um, and again, it's beyondthelens.live. So we're we're hoping to get this thing off the ground in, in June and running a really great special right now if you sign up. So hopefully uh, we'll get some people signing up ASAP. I love it. And you guys have to check out the website just to just to look at the pictures and read about it. I mean, it's really amazing. It'll kind of like I'm on the site right now. You with Jordan and this gold medal after the 1992 Olympic Games. Kobe, Jonathan Quick sprawled out with the Los Angeles Kings. Just some great pictures. Um, and finally, yeah. before we uh, get to this week's episode again, Andy, we'll only play just a snippet. If folks want to hear the entire conversation, yep. how can they do that? Well, our podcast, Legends of Sport, can be found um, on our home base, um, which is iHeart. But, of course, every podcast platform, including Apple and Spotify. Um, please go to our website which is legendsofsport.net, because not only will you get a link to this week's podcast, but you'll be able to see all the content that we have on there. And, um, you know, our Instagram is at legendsofsport, and my photography can be found uh, at ADB Photo Inc. 
Legends um, on Instagram. So lots of places to find the Legends of Sport podcast. <laughs> Love it. Now, with that said, without any further ado, this week's episode <clears throat> of Legends of Sport Friday, it is Megan Duggan. Well, I want to welcome Megan Duggan to the Legends of Sport podcast, a true legend of women's hockey. <laughs> Megan, so great to connect with you. Thanks so much um, for making the time today. Yeah, my pleasure. No, it's an honor to be asked to uh, to join you. So I'm looking forward to the discussion. Well, I appreciate it. Listen, I have to preface all of this because you've probably, you know, if you did your research about me, I'm known for basketball, right? I've been in the NBA <laughs> 40 plus years, but my passion is hockey. All right. I mean, I say that to all my hockey guests, and it's true. I grew up a ridiculous Rangers fan in Brooklyn. Um, oh, great. I know you grew up outside of Boston, so tell me something. Were you a Bruins fan growing up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's tough to say now, working for New Jersey Devils. Right, but right. Uh, yes. yeah, no, certainly no secret. I grew up uh, north of Boston in Danvers, Mass, uh -huh. and really grew up big, you know, Boston sports fan yeah. all across the board. Um, yep. You know, Bruins, Red Sox, Patriots, Celtics, the whole thing. And yeah. um, my family still, you know, big Boston sports fans. They all cheer for the teams I've, you know, played with or been a part of or right. now work for. Um, so I've turned them into Devils fans as well. But, <laughs> That's uh, awesome. but yeah. yeah, big, big Boston sports family. Yeah. Well, my, my backstory, just so you know, is that a Brooklyn kid, I end up going to UMass Amherst, right? Okay. So you know how insane, like, you know, the sports fans are in the Boston area. I wouldn't have had any friends if I hadn't become some kind of a Boston fan. And I, I adopted the Red Sox and the Patriots. I didn't have an NFL team and my team was the Mets. So I didn't have a, an American League team, you know, God forbid <laughs> I was a Yankee fan, you know. Um, but my best friend and I, to this day, this is 45 years later, we still argue over the Rangers and Bruins from back in the <laughs> 70s. It's crazy. Anyway, yeah. I digress. It's all um, good, though. Sports sports rivalries and... yeah. Um, you know, sometimes they get a little a little carried away, right? When you see some of the bad stuff that goes on when it comes to fans and sports rivalries. But honestly, when you sure. think about just the excitement that um, sports bring into people's lives, yeah. and you know, getting that excited about something and. Sure. The, the people that it brings together, it's uh, it's awesome to, to be a part of. So I, I welcome all the sports rivalries. Yeah, and, uh, certainly sure. was a part of a lot of them in my career, and mm -hmm. uh, it's fun to talk about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're deep into one now in New York with the three teams there. Um, how did it start for you? I mean, it uh, you know I've talked to many iconic women in sports, even going back to you know Manon Riom and Nancy Lieberman and Ann Myers Drysdale, and you know they had to play with the boys. They you know was that the same. For for you because there really wasn't women's or girls hockey with for you growing up right yeah similar story um mm -hmm. so i was born in 87 uh north of boston like mm -hmm. i said up in danvers mass and and really started playing hockey in the early 90s i mm -hmm. had an older brother um who played and a lot of you know friends and family friends um that all played and really you know danvers was a, a strong um hockey community a great youth program and mm -hmm. So wanted to be like my older brother, jumped out on skates, kind of in the learn to skate program when I was three years old and um, just fell in love with it. So I stayed, um, yeah, as the mm. only girl, you know, I knew or saw or heard about um, in my community playing on all boys teams all growing up yeah. until I uh, really until I was high school age. And um, I ended up going on to Cushing Academy and playing in my, you know, girls hockey there and, and on to college. But, but yeah, growing up, um, played with all the boys and everything, you know, I played baseball, I played, uh, played soccer, I played on a boys team and a girls team, but hockey was, um, 
it was voice team. I played on my local Danvers team and then I played on a, you know, select team out of Charlestown, Mass. Uh, mm-hmm. Same thing, only girls. So, but it was all that I knew, yeah. right? And, yeah. um, and I had the support of, you know, my team, my parents, all the other parents. Um, and I was part of a really great youth hockey program that, that welcomed me and it, it wasn't an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, it was just, you know, what I did. Yeah. So, yeah. I wasn't really exposed to girls and women playing hockey, as I said, until high school and certainly not elite, you know, girls and women playing hockey really until the 98 Olympics, um, you know, and I had an opportunity to see women compete compete on that stage. Yeah, amazing. When I was at UMass, this is 75 to 78, UMass didn't even have a men's hockey team. It was like a club team that played at Amherst College in a non-heated rink. <laughs> and we used to go over there just because we had a couple of friends who played, you know, but there was no women's hockey whatsoever. Right. And it's yeah. it's amazing, you know, and in looking at your career, I mean, when you went to Wisconsin, I mean, you're going to a huge hockey powerhouse yeah. for for men's hockey of course but how big was was hockey then when you for women when you were in wisconsin it was huge actually yeah. when i went to wisconsin you know they they the the women's team there had was coming off of a national championship mm. um when i went into my freshman year and we actually won my freshman year as well so the, the program was back to back which was pretty special to be a part of but yeah. um that team was at the pinnacle of women's college hockey at the time um you know led by at the time and still now mark johnson yeah. you know who really needs no introduction in the in the hockey world and right. um was just littered with players um you know national team potential players on mm-hmm. that team uh, yeah. a lot of girls i played in the olympics with and you know women that have gone on to play uh different pro levels and you know work at nhl teams and so mm-hmm. it was a real hockey hotbed and that was something i was excited about being a part of you know yeah, i wanted to yeah. go to a program that was big time big 10 um mm-hmm. you know like college athletics and and learn from a lot of the elite players and, and elite staff and coaching mm-hmm. um that was there and it was a great fit for me yeah fantastic i mean what a great career you had mark johnson of course speaks for himself um <laughs> and the support for the team from the student body was probably amazing right i would think it yeah. was it was and that was again that was something i really was eager to be a part of yeah. you know mm-hmm. um we 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 would pack our rank um, even now, I think at the Laban Arena, which is the women's rink now, we played in the Cole Center, which we shared with the men. But now mm. the women have their own rink and they wow. sell out every game. And <laughs> um, it's one of the most, you know, highly attended college women's college hockey teams um, in the country. Yeah. I, I don't know the exact data, but it, it has to be. And I've heard it has. So <laughs> great, great um, community support, great student body support. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were treated like pros, yeah. you know, I was an eight, 18 year old kid and, um, you know, I was, I was really lucky to, yeah. to be a part of a university like that. And it was my first experience of, wow, this is big time, mm-hmm. you know, chartered planes and brand new equipment and, um, the support and resources and, um, the way they take care of their athletes. It was, um, it was, you know, it was special. And on the women's side, you know, mm. we have our challenges with being treated like professionals, right? At times, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you hear about um, all the struggles that women's pro hockey has gone through. So that was, um, you know, to be in college and to have that that star treatment uh, was really special. And and I know it's only continued there. So great program, and um, you know, I'm really obviously, as you can tell, proud to uh, be a Badger and have have played for that team and yeah. um, you know, be a part of that group. 
Now, were you when you were Wisconsin, you were playing against the rivalry was with Minnesota, right? And and Michigan, big rivalry, right? So you were playing against the Lamoureux (laughs) sisters, right? Who became your teammates later on? Yeah, and you know their book, uh, incredibly eloquent, um, how they describe exactly what you talked about being in in an elite college program and then going to the national team and taking like major steps backwards. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. like, are we really playing under these conditions and we're not funded We're you know, we're third class citizens to the men across the board in any, any sport, but in your sport, especially. Right. So, you know, they spoke about it, but I'd love to get your viewpoint on that. if, if, If that was a shocking realization once you got to USA hockey. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, my, my experience, yes, their book's fantastic. I have it right here on the mm-hmm. bookshelf behind me. Yeah. Um, you know, two of my just near and dear friends, teammates, um, you know, mm-hmm. women that I just respect and admire to the nth degree. And, uh, so happy that they were able to tell their story through their book. And, um, you know, I was so happy that our, our careers, you know, ran concurrently with each other yeah. because, um, we really had some amazing experiences and, and yeah, we, I played against them their freshman year. They played at the university of Minnesota and they actually transferred to North Dakota. Right, so right. same conference, yeah, um, played right. against them there as well. And yeah, we had some really, really good battles on the ice, certainly, but together on the national team, you know, we were part of, um, as they talk about in their book, we were part of a group, um, that really worked to lead our program. Uh, forward in, mm-hmm. in terms of what you were just talking about, you know, the treatment, the support, um, you know, both, you know, financially, but but just general support of what it takes to be an athlete, mm-hmm. you know, insurance, travel, um, uh, you yeah. know, athlete care, right? How we take care of the athletes, the ice times, mm-hmm. the all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were part of a group, Jocelyn, Monique, myself, um, variety of other, you know, leadership on our on our team. Um, to make some of those changes mm-hmm. and to kind of bang on USA hockey. And obviously we, you know, got into a pretty public debate with them back there in, in 2017 ahead of um, boycotting the world championships. But it was something that, that needed to happen. You mm-hmm. know, we had started having conversations on bus trips and around dinner tables about inequities that we were seeing mm-hmm. and uh, myself and, and, you know, the other leadership group that I mentioned, we'd been around long enough um, and we knew enough to know that, we had to do something in order to change it, not just for us, but, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, like sure. someone had to, you know, step up and, and help make these changes. And um, certainly, you know, much longer story of everything that went into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of which Jocelyn and Monique uh, get into um, in their book, but um, it was, you know, something that uh, probably one of the most proud moments in my career mm-hmm. um, of us being able to uh, make those changes and then, you know, go on to win a couple gold medals after that and, and mm-hmm. really uh, cement kind of our, our worth um, yeah, yeah. at that point, too. It was risky, of course, but, um, you know, sure you, you had a righteous cause and, and you guys succeeded. Um, and then, you know, less than what, five years later or so, you're then on the board of USA Hockey. I mean, you know, my good friend <laughs> Phil Jackson would call that a full circle life event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you pinch yourself like, wow, this was amazing. Like we were battling with them for everything that we fought for, you know, we succeeded. And now I'm on the other side of the table, basically, you know, making sure that that's, that's you know, pass forward from my generation to the next. Yeah. And you know what? My, my mission and my existence to be continually involved in USA hockey is to really just, just bring continually bring that perspective from Mm -hmm. the women's side, you know, and what, 
what that team needs to um, to compete and to be elite and to continue to bring success back to the program. And mm-hmm. I've really, you know, since I was 18, 19 years old and I made my first national team, I've given my whole life to USA Hockey. Yeah. You know, everything. Yeah. When I think about the hours put in and what I would do for that program when I was on the team. And so, um, you know, staying involved, keeping close relationships there, uh, participating in that capacity mm-hmm. uh, is certainly important to me and something that, you know, makes makes a lot of sense, really, for how how passionate I am about yeah um, hockey in the United States. Yeah, to me, you know, just thinking about your bio and doing a lot of research and learning about you. And like the one word really that comes to mind for me, uh, there's two words. One is relentless, which reminds me of my good friend Kobe. And that was one of one of the founding pillars of the Mamba mentality was relentlessness. You know, since never giving up. Right. Mm-hmm. But also busy. I mean, like you're like so busy. The stuff I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have pages of stuff that you are still doing. I mean, how do you literally how do you find time for all of this? How do you balance it all? Yeah, good question. Honestly, uh, sometimes I don't know. I am a mom of two young kids yeah, too, and, and that's that's probably the um, you know the most important aspect of my life, mm-hmm. um, being with them, and you know, obviously raising kids, and um, you know, to go out in this world and to do great things. But mm-hmm. um, I'm a, I'm just a passionate person. You know, I've always probably spread myself a little bit too thin, um, but I I enjoy you know mm-hmm. giving and being involved, um, staying up on things, asking questions, you know, mm-hmm. um, adding value wherever I can, and yeah. so. I um I am you know careful and and particular about what I um, engage in and what I'm involved with mm-hmm. because as you said you know I don't want anything else that I'm involved with to to fall under because because I am busy right, right and right. and I value um you know my family and my job and my work with the foundation and my work with the NHL Player Inclusion Committee and right. um and so I think it's just my passion drives me um I love being around people yeah. too right yeah. I love building new relationships and um and so it's uh yeah keep my i keep myself busy but uh it's all all good and you know i still do um find time to set boundaries and to uh make sure that i'm taking time for myself and my family as well because mm-hmm. i've learned being involved in so many things that that's the best way to recharge and, and be able to give my my full self to everything that i'm a part of yeah for sure like i i have four kids three of them are daughters and uh you know nice. i was raising kids when i was my crazy job too and yeah, um, you know, I know how I know how it goes. Um, and yeah. then, you know, in your spare time, you found time to train and run in the 2022 New York City Marathon. I, I, I think yeah. I have to add that in there. I don't know how that how you did yeah. that. Can we talk about sometimes? Uh, so, so it's funny to hear someone say that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's all the time we have for today. Another amazing episode of Legends of Sport Friday with Andy Bernstein. But as you know, it is March Madness, so hopefully your guys' bracket's not totally busted going into the weekend. I hope you guys enjoy your March Madness. I know GA and I will out here in Las Vegas as we make our way around all the sports books around here. Circa and Sahara and South Point and, yes, making our way down. But, um, folks, I hope you have an amazing weekend. Thanks for joining us. Until next week. Stay safe, be healthy. This is Arash Markazi. I'll talk to you guys next week. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend now? 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.